Yeah. Hello, my friends. We meet again um, in season two of the Lavender Fix podcast. Ah, you made it to 2021. You took the time. You're here with me and I am beyond grateful. So let this experience be your little escape from all the tizzy. Find a comfortable corner, plug in those earphones or not, and sit back and relax. And I mean it when I say it, relax, relax. Um, so today's episode is very dear to my heart because I have with me not just one of my closest friends, but also one of the most inspiring people in my life. She is someone I turn to for genuine advice. She is someone who, who I don't know how, but she has the ability to put me in straight jacket if I ever fall into a disarray. I am blown away by her perseverance, passion for her art. Um, so who is this incredible human, you ask? Uh, well, it's none other than the makeup mogul of Kashmir, Saba Shafi Sheikh. And to give you a little background, after graduating in English literature from Delhi University, she completed her MBA in business management and tried her hand at a few um, jobs in the corporate sector before she found her two bearing, thank goodness, which is the art of makeup. Uh, Saba is known... Um, very widely in Kashmir with over 141,000 followers on her Instagram handle at Makeup by Saba. And she has like a bazillion more admirers. So that's not it. Her community goes beyond Instagram. So in this episode, we chat with Saba about her journey to becoming the number one makeup artist in the Valley of Kashmir from start to finish. Um, and the challenges that motivated her to persevere and how she continues to thrive in her field of work. Hi, Saba. Thank you so much for joining me on the Lavender Squad today. And first up, congratulations on getting married. How is that going for you? Thank you so much, Sabreen. Thank you for having me over and for your patience to wait for a good six months to do this. <laughs> Uh, in between, I did get married. It's just been two months and I think uh, so far so good. That's mm -hmm. all I can say. Yeah, that is amazing. And I saw all your photographs and I was blown away. And I had major FOMO, which is why am I not there? Why am I missing out on this? Um, so hopefully once we're over the whole COVID wave, we can all get together and do something. Um, Maybe I can dress up again. Yay! That's always a treat. <laughs> the eyes and uh, yeah and as far as waiting a thousand times over for you my friend only you and this is totally worth it um, so I have a bazillion questions for you and this this episode comes highly in capitals requested um, so let's get into it sure all right so Saba you've always been um, a bit of a maverick in the makeup industry and people in the valley that is in Kashmir, and people in India are very well-versed with your work, but very few know about how you got this far. So were you always so certain about being in this field or was there ever a career that preceded your current profession? Sabrina, I was always somewhat good at makeup. I even had my own kit when I was in the sixth grade. Mm -hmm. I was the one who did makeup for all my cousins, my friends, 
the cousins of my friends and everyone else. But I never really thought of taking it up professionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, I was working in the corporate sector and boy, was I a misfit there. <laughs> I did not want my life to be governed by that sort of a routine and a monotony. Mm. I wanted to enjoy my life, uh, which I was not able to do as my corporate job was taking away from my personality. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and and I remember, Sabha, you, you had actually mentioned that you were at a crossroads in your life in 2012, right? Which is you were sort of split between the, the corporate sector and then wanting to uh, go on your own little adventure, right? So what what kind of an adventure uh, was, was on your mind around this time when you decided that, okay, the corporate sector is clearly not for me? I wanted to travel. I wanted to meet people, hone my skills, learn new things and be adventurous in my own way. I'm not the kind of person who will take on big adventures, but, uh, you know, small adventures, which will make me happy and make me feel that, okay, I did something out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I was also of the mindset that I should uh, flex as much as I can before I get married, because some adventures are better taken solo when you have the time to deliberate uh, about just your own life. Uh, This break involved me going to London for a few months. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first 10 days were pretty enjoyable as a tourist. Mm-hmm. I went around, I saw all the places that I really wanted to see. But after that, I wanted to plan my time better and make the most of my trip. That's when I decided to sign up for a makeup course. Okay, It was not a rigorous uh, one for me because, you know, it was very laid back uh, going there twice a week for two, three hours. But I wanted to utilize my time more. I wanted to be busy for a longer time. You know how we grew up in India with a very tight schedule, oh, yeah. not having a breather in between. <laughs> so uh, we are so used to it that if we have a relaxed schedule, we feel like, oh my God, I'm not utilizing my time well enough and I could be doing so much more. Right. So I enrolled in uh, two more courses, Simon Simultaneously, which uh, made me busy six days a week and I was all packed with classes and learning new things. I mean, yeah, so we were all kind of used to having a regime, but you are the next level of that. You're at the next level. And I know that you are someone who loves to make good use of her time. And you truly have that time is money and, you know, time is valuable and you can't lose it. And this is the time to kind of hone your skills. I know that you have that kind of a personality. uh, And that's exactly why you've come so far in your life. And you're so inspiring. Um, And to quickly go back. So this is basically you before you travel to um London you had a corporate job and you were like okay this is not for me and I'm going to like um take on this little adventure and you know be on on a path to self-discovery which is when you went to London you planned your time and you took all these courses right yes okay awesome I am on track so since you were taking all these classes was um make up another filler class which is because you mentioned that you were taking all these classes because you you wanted to make good use of your time um or were you kind of naturally leaning towards makeup so was it one of the other classes you took or was it a, a special case um please do share your experience in this makeup course you took in london along with the exposure and some of the opportunities that may have come with it 
My experience was phenomenal. I got to work with uh, renowned brands like Selfridges. I was also working with people of different ethnicities and to me that's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh having grown up in India, I did not uh, get uh, much of an exposure with uh, different ethnicities. Yeah, we do have uh a lot of uh, uh, states with people uh, with different kind of people but different races and different ethnicities mm-hmm. is something that was very new to me and i really really enjoyed getting to know uh, the people their face structures their skin types mm-hmm. uh, their hair all of those things so my course had uh, two kinds of people one who were learning makeup uh, uh, professionally Uh, to do on other people mm-hmm. and the other type which is me uh, were the people who were learning to apply on themselves okay. because i did not intend to do the course to become a makeup artist i was just learning uh, to improve my uh, skill set i was already okay at it i thought you okay. know i'll take my you were never I'll, okay you were i am want like I can, i can bet my life on this you were never okay you were always amazing and the fact that you belong to group 2 which is people who are learning to do makeup for themselves to me is just crazy <laughs> because look what you did afterwards yeah i guess so as they say it was meant to be yeah so um eventually by the end of those months uh i flew back to uh, india Mm-hmm. with the uh, one of my bags weighing 32 kgs of just makeup <laughs> i really went crazy <laughs> oh clearly i mean yes i remember you mentioned in our discovery call the other day that um one of your suitcases weighed 32 kilos and for for our american folks um who are listening in that's 70 pounds uh what was the plan saba like where the heck were you going and what were you thinking and what like was it a special occasion back home or what well not really no occasion per se i was in makeup heaven mm-hmm. uh, that time there were very few makeup stores in india sephora came along after that so i had to i just had to buy a lot of makeup uh back home in kashmir i was uh, still occasionally doing makeup uh, for my friends and cousins you know whoever needed yeah. me i was always there and after having done makeups for a few brides in my circle i uh, started receiving queries for availability and pricing uh, i would get messages on facebook and the first time i got a message i was like what <laughs> this is really silly i do it for my family and friends i was nearly offended yeah uh, however at this point uh, my sisters uh, were convinced that i should explore this opportunity professionally and the fact that people were inquiring was a sign that my work was being appreciated yeah I mean and you know when you when you say that you were slightly perturbed by the makeup queries you were receiving after your cousin's wedding um where where do you think that that was stemming from why did it bother you I uh, I am not sure I had not even considered the possibility of doing makeup professionally since there was no precedence for it and to be honest it wasn't really a career option mm-hmm. at that point it was just something i loved doing the makeup industry was non existent in kashmir at that time agreed 
फॉर स्पेशल ओकेजन पीपल गॉड देयर मेकअप डन फ्रॉम इधर देयर फ्रेंड्स और कजन्स हु बेटर देन अदर्स एट इट इट वॉज नॉट अ थिंक I was doing the same by helping those in my circle because I happened to be good at it. That's all. So when I got professional queries about it, yeah, uh, I was like, um, I am, am I? I'm not ready for it. Uh, I was just not. I had not thought on those lines. So I guess that's why I was not very happy about it. Yeah, and I guess like just the way that we're raised back home, I think that. parents have have this preset in their brain which is this this and this like these are the things you do and i'm not saying that your parents were like that because i know that they were very uh, liberal and they really sort of trusted you with your career choices and Extremely. they yeah and they were very encouraging but traditionally speaking if you look at majority of the southeast asian parents they are very sort of programmed to believe that oh you have to be uh, an engineer or a doctor and and so yes it it, it is a non traditional uh, career choice but i mean if you look at the current landscape it's blooming and there are a busy Brazilian uh, makeup artists who are really trying to make it and who are trying to earn a name in this field, right? Um, yeah. Now you mentioned that you know your sisters were very encouraging and they were pushing you in that direction. So with your sisters trying to persuade you to take this up more seriously, you know when did you decide to do it eventually? When did you say, okay, fine, I give up. I guess people really like what I do, and I'm just going to go for it. Yeah, well, you know, I think. Um, all parents and all siblings feel that their family member their daughter or their sister is really really good yeah. uh, i feel that when that thing comes from people outside the family then a person actually starts believing it uh, okay yeah maybe i am good at it mm-hmm. uh, after my sisters convinced me it was worth giving a shot i decided to touch base with a few well known people in the wedding industry mm-hmm. so i called uh, vandana mohan uh, she's the mother of wedding planning in india she's done all the big weddings uh, most of the big weddings i would say uh, celebrity weddings and what not uh, i worked with her uh, during my college you know i was working part time so i got in touch with her and i told her that i have done this course and i would like to pursue makeup professionally Mm-hmm. and uh, since they do a lot of big weddings i would like a chance to work on uh, one of the projects so she asked me to uh, come to her office the next day and do makeup for all the girls there mm-hmm. so there were about seven girls in the office and i did makeup for all of them and uh, she was very impressed with how quick i was she said uh, you are really quick you're really fast and that is what we need and uh, she looked at the makeup and she thought it was pretty decent and she hired me for this big uh, nri wedding that was happening in udaipur okay and uh, i uh, was doing makeup for 35 people every day so it was a 3 wow. day wedding and yeah 35 makeups every day i would start early in the morning uh, uh, around uh, 7 and i would be done uh, by about 3 for the event and people didn't really mind getting ready that early yeah so uh, that's how it started and i happened to do uh, makeup for a few well known people uh, bani j was there she's a, yeah, a very well known anchor from mtv 
So that uh, was uh, the point where it all became a reality that people appreciated my work. And I uh, thought that, okay, yeah, it's not just my sisters who think I'm good. A lot of people are liking my work. Yeah. So I clicked a lot of pictures of uh, the makeups that I did uh, in that wedding. And I created my Facebook page in November 2012. And I kick-started my own business officially in uh, January 2013. Wow. I mean, just even having worked with you in the past a little bit, I know that you're very quick. But when you say you started at 7am and you were done with 35 people by 3pm, that to me is extraordinary. You are futuristic. <laughs> like <laughs> That is a full day's work. Like, but like, an eight hour. It, it's st- like 35 people. Do you know like my like makeup artists that I've worked with, I've seen them spending three hours with one person. I mean, I don't know what it almost feels no, like. Sabine, bridal makeup is different. I mean, no, bridal still, makeup does. One has to give time to a bride. Party makeups can be really quick. Hey, but I definitely spend over an hour for party makeup. It just felt like archaeological excavation being done on my face. <laughs> and I couldn't make, I mean, I had my eyes closed. So I never really understood what was happening. But I was like, okay, maybe this stuff takes time. And I've always been very patient. But your number is like a record high. It just, I think, even if they try to develop technology for how quickly you can do makeup, I think you would still beat the technology. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. So getting the kind of appreciation that you did, that you did get in Delhi, did it give you more confidence to, you know, do this uh, full time? I mean, I know you mentioned that you officially launched your business in January, you know, 2013. But did your Delhi experience have part to play in that? And if yes, can you share what was of that like? Course. Of course, it played a big part because, uh, see, people in Delhi are used to getting their uh, makeups done for any small or big occasions, mm-hmm. which is not the place, uh, which is not the case uh, back home where I come from. So if they, uh, the people who are getting their makeup done regularly, if they are liking it and if they are appreciating it, it is very encouraging and it does make you feel that you do stand somewhere. Mm-hmm. And after this experience, uh, I uh, a lot of people for whom I had done makeup, I got hired by them for uh, uh, makeups in their uh, family, whoever was getting married, whatever occasions they were having. So that was very encouraging and uh, it was very helpful as well. Uh, that's how my work actually got uh, kick-started through word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you are doing well in a big city and your work is being appreciated then uh, when you go to a smaller place there people I feel that you know their attitude really uh, is different they feel they feel they feel that uh, oh yeah she's doing well in Delhi oh so she must be good so I feel it really did help a lot yeah and and I guess that is how you know people in Kashmir obviously um, also uh, realize that holy smokes, she is the big guns and we better get her dips on Saba. So, uh, you know, and I, I, I know, I mean, I totally understand where you're coming from in the sense that people in Delhi would like get their makeup done just to go to the grocery store. They totally would. I mean, and and traditionally, um, 
you know, Kashmir never really had this service also so readily available, right? Um, As you mentioned, you know, cousins and friends, they would all kind of jump in and make something of it. Um, But it's still a luxury for many. Uh, But I do know that people like, in fact, they love spending money on two things in Kashmir, uh, building homes and weddings. Um, And so makeup, of course, is is a huge part of that. Um, So would you credit yourself as someone who uh, revolutionized bridal makeup in the valley? And if yes, could you share what your experience has been like? Of course, I feel... uh I can call myself the first person who introduced professional makeup artistry in uh, Kashmir. Mm -hmm. It was a profession that was unheard of before. Nobody could even imagine that, you know, you could choose this line of career, you could earn well and you could be well respected. Because when I started this, a lot of people were uh, raising their fingers at me saying that girls from families like ours don't do this kind of a job. Because I freelance, I go to people's venue for their Mm -hmm. makeups. So that is uh, not uh, very well taken uh, back home. It's like, you're going to people's houses to give a service and it's kind of uh, looked down upon. I hear you. I mean, yeah, yeah, people do have that attitude. I mean, I would say yeah. um, in in New Delhi, if I were to give you a, a, a different example, which is um, a lot of the women that I went to school with, for example, some of them decided to become um, to join, you know, uh, the airline business. Right. And they yeah. felt like they had a people's uh, uh, person personality and that they would be really great at you know um being on ground duty or sometimes even in the plane like and i think it's a profession that paid so well at the time and i don't know what it's like now right and i know so many of my friends who totally killed it like they did so well in that industry but again as women the standards that have been set for us is to be reserved is to step back is to be coy and you know not not do extraordinary things i think that attitude needs to change and there are so many different professions that women can totally kick ass um in and i of think course. you have been that change agent who has really introduced something new right and so many other people are now taking up the same profession and are you know walking absolutely yeah absolutely. exactly it did it did take me a few years uh to kind of build base for it that it is something that is worth spending money on it is something that you really need uh in your whole wedding package to make your photos look good to make you feel good because we spend a lot of money on everything and we are scared of spending a few extra thousand bucks just because we feel okay you wash your face and it's It's all gone. gone down the drain yeah. So it did take me a lot of work and people who are uh, joining this line of work now, it's very easy on a platter for them now. Yeah. And, and we will get into that because I have some juicy questions for you. Um, <laughs> but uh, Sabha, I remember, you know, you've, you've mentioned this to me before that your first bride's name in Kashmir was Uzma. Yes. Right. So what were your exact feelings walking into your very first bridal makeup appointment in Kashmir? Um, I was feeling really good and I was like, okay, 
I need to show them how important it is and all the girls in that room are going to be booking me after I'm done with her makeup. Yeah. Which re- which really did happen. Uh I uh, thankfully I'm not the kind of person who gets nervous or who gets sweaty palms or anything like that. I was very certain I knew what I had to do and I couldn't wait to dress her up and I couldn't wait for her to see how she looked by the time I was done. Mm-hmm. So it, it was really a kick-ass uh, experience for me. I still remember her face vividly and uh, the beautiful outfit she was wearing and uh, she looked a little uh, like Kareena Kapoor. Ooh, I love Kareena yeah. Kapoor. And you, I mean, it's so you, Sabah, to not be nervous. I mean, I... if i buy a new vacuum and i have to try it on for the first time i freak out even at the sound of it and i'm like oh my god i'm totally going to break it so you are the complete opposite like you have spent so much time just honing your skill set that you didn't feel the, you know you don't feel the nerves uh, and i'm not surprised and you know you did your homework you kind of like spent a lot of time in delhi you were working with all these high profile people with celebrities and so of course uh, i mean that also i'm sure helped you uh, in your journey to getting established as a makeup artist in kashmir right um yeah. and i know that we had talked about how your year one was not necessarily uh, booked with multiple clients uh, but you did over 14 brides um after establishing your brand in less than 5 months which is post quitting your corporate job which is huge so were you taking active measures to market your brand um you know establishing a price card um and if yes could you share what tactics you really adopted to uh, push your brand name forward to be honest i did not really do a lot other than just doing my own work and i'm very happy and proud to say that my work spoke for itself and i got a lot of work through word of mouth and through my social media handles mm-hmm. other than that i did not do any sort of advertisement nothing nothing at all so i uh even now i haven't done any of those things and i s- still only concentrate on my job that mm-hmm. is my uh, i would say that is my absolute priority uh maybe uh, it is a good idea to uh, take up advertising and all those things but i am uh, even though i have uh, done my mba but i still feel that i'm a very emotional person and i put emotions into everything and i feel if there's too much marketing in something mm-hmm. it kind of takes away the soul and the essence of that thing sure. i still would love it if i reach just five people through word of mouth instead of 50 through advertising right right and you have such a brilliant organic reach right, right? like we've never really talked about your social handle like i mean you have so many like so so many i googled the other day how many like what does a room look with that many people in it and when you <laughs> you know when it serves you visuals it it's just mind boggling that so many people know you and they follow you right um and yeah is that something that also happened gradually or did you feel like this kind of spurt in your social following was you know did it happen overnight or did you see it gradually growing as you were meeting no, new people it's- 
Yeah, it, it's been very, very gradual, I would say. Uh, my account was created, uh, my Instagram was uh, created in uh, May 2013. Wow. Uh, which is uh, almost eight years ago, like I would say seven and a half years ago. Right. Uh, so seven and a half years and uh, 141k followers, I would say it's a very gradual increase. Yeah. And uh, it, it did take a lot of time and I feel after you reach 100k after that it's very difficult for each k to move forward yeah I agree uh, but at the same at the same time uh it's not just about the number it's about the engagement on your posts it's about how many people actually, uh, see the content that you're creating and how many people get involved in it and it's just overwhelming the number of people who comment on each post that I uh, produce share yeah. yes yes and, it's overwhelming and I also feel like your audience is here to stay because you built this audience and you built this loyalty over a certain period of time and it didn't just happen right with the click of a button yeah. and so and I think it shows like when people look at your posts and I as someone who works in social media marketing can attest to that um, that people can read through what what's really authentic and what's not and your profile is very authentic you know you can tell that these people have been around for a really long time um, so that's that now I wanted to ask you that with everything that was panning out for you during this time right, uh, which is in Kashmir, uh, when you were kind of uh, building your circle, how did your family members, friends, um, how did they respond? And and I'm asking because we all know, as I had mentioned before, South Asians in general can be very averse to certain career choices, especially when you're a woman. Yeah, you're right. Uh, in that aspect, I would say I've been mostly very lucky because my family uh, my family is my parents and my siblings and my friends were very very supportive of me and they uh, they've stood by me through everything whether mm -hmm. it was uh, at one point when I wanted to uh, give up on my MBA because it was getting too much for me my family was there for me and then eventually I did go ahead and complete my degree and They've been there through everything. Mm -hmm. But yes, uh, in my extended family, um, there have been people who would talk behind my back about me bringing disgrace to the family name uh, by my career choice and everything. And on one occasion, mm -hmm. I being the kind of person that I am, I stood up uh, <laughs> to one of those uh, persons and I asked him, I said, uh, if you go out and you stop 10 random people on the road and you tell them your name, nobody would know you. But if you were to do that for me, I'm sure at least one person would know me. Mm -hmm. I was just being modest by saying one person because yes. I'm pretty certain at least five people would Absolutely. have known me. So, uh, you know, uh, these kind of things happen and we don't have to let them boggle us down or uh, demotivate us in any way. Yeah. Uh, we have to know what we are doing is the right thing. And I have put a lot of love, a lot of energy, a lot of effort and a lot of time into what I have uh, created. 
and this is just not for me it is for so many women right who have chosen this career path after me whether they acknowledge it or not that uh, i inspired them in any way but i know for a fact that uh, most of the girls from uh, the social strata that i belong to would not have chosen this career path just because of uh, the fright that you know what would uh, other people, people say. say yes correct and so so uh, uh yeah and so you know um before getting to the next question i actually curious to know how did this relative of yours <laughs> respond when you were like actually if you were to take my name instead of yours uh nothing there there was nothing more to say beyond that point yeah and um, i feel that at times it's really important to do that you cannot mm-hmm. just listen to what everyone is saying at times you need to shut people up yeah. it is important and i'm the president of that <laughs> <laughs> i get so much flack for it my parents a lot of it i mean my parents have always been really liberal and they don't really care but i agree with you like you can't leave this license um in other people's hands right like you have to take you have to call people out uh because that is how change starts you have to be the change you yes. want to see um and if you if you keep ignoring it as people say you know ignore it just ignore it if you keep ignoring it this other person doesn't know that what they're doing is hurtful and they shouldn't be doing it to other uh, people in their circle as well so you have to put a stop to it and it's okay to stand up for yourself but of course having your the support from your parents is really critical because you don't want this relative to be screaming at you and then your parents screaming at you for why you screamed at the relative <laughs> so um i guess that's really uh, important and so saba would you say that the way that you were raised has had an impact on how you've managed your business you know the motivation the resilience the perseverance it certainly has i come from a family that is known for individuals who persevered and made their dreams a reality uh, my family is a business and out and out business family mm-hmm. and uh, one of my uncles wanted to be a doctor and the family was completely against it because uh, we had a very huge business and we needed everyone to be a part of it and b- even one of the boys going out of the business would be like you know mm-hmm. uh, not a, a very good thing uh, for the elders in the family but my uncle was um, he was hellbent he he knew that he wanted to be a doctor and he went ahead and uh, did his degree and he became a very well renowned uh, ent uh, surgeon so you know uh, we've had uh, people in our family like that and i feel uh, the genes are there mm-hmm. and uh, i was always taught that uh, you must respect whatever gives you a livelihood right so so whatever uh, line of work one may choose be it uh, becoming a part of the family business or choosing any other uh, career you have to respect it and you have to love it and uh, the acumen for business i would say uh, i wouldn't even call myself a business uh, woman a business person I- i'm just a mad artist and 
I love being that. Yeah, there is uh, the business aspect to it as well. There is money is involved. Taxes are involved. All of that yeah. is there as well. But I still just like to concentrate on the art part of it. And uh, I feel uh, the business part uh, gets taken care of by my genes. Uh, yeah, I probably mean, subconsciously. You are the CFO, you're the CEO, you're the CTO, you're all of that. And so I would actually say that you are, yes, an incredibly wonderful artist, but you're also a badass businesswoman <laughs> in my eyes. Uh, because, you know, come on, I mean, Sabah, take credit for the, the way that you've set it up and how you've managed all these bookings and how you've uh, recruited resources to help you with that. And, you know, it takes a lot to set that whole structure up and people don't necessarily see beyond those photographs and, you know, the lively moments, but there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and uh, so actually, speaking of pictures and all the liveliness, my next question is around that, which is I know that you are super, super, super professional and you respect punctuality. If there's anything I know about Sabah, it's that. Um, can you share with me some sort of positive and maybe not so positive experiences with your clients? Um, I'm sure that you and, you know, every other artist uh, in, in different fields of life, they have pet peeves, like most of us do. So what would they be? So positive memory, negative memory, um, it doesn't have to be negative, but you know, whatever uh, you thought was, was out of the ordinary and uh, some pet peeves. Yummy. Um, <laughs> no, no, there, there's not much gossip there. Uh, uh, I feel, you know, we in uh, we will take a very long time to respect uh, punctuality. Now, when I say we, I mean uh, we as in Kashmiris. Mm -hmm. For us, everything is in slow motion. It's very laid back. <laughs> There's no hurry in anything. It's like, you know, things are happening and they'll keep happening. But for me, uh, my work uh, is very time centric because each bride of mine gets allotted a slot and I have to get them ready as per that. And I have to move on to the next appointment since I go uh, on venue. Right. So for me, being punctual is of utmost importance. And that at times come across as uh, me being arrogant, me mm. being rude, because, you know, I'm very particular. I tell all my clients that uh, whatever time we decide on, I'm going to be there. 10 minutes before that. So please make sure you're on time. So I feel in uh, the, this habit of being punctual, somewhere I may have created this image of me uh, being uh, not a very nice person hmm. just because, you know, I, I'm not laid back on this thing. Oh, it's okay. Even if you are three hours late, we'll manage. <laughs> no. Uh, I, <laughs> what if yeah, like your so, what if like your wedding is at 6 p.m and sabah comes at 9 p.m no that's not okay exactly exactly i can be late even by uh, 15 minutes but uh if it's the bride who is getting late then it should be okay yeah. so uh, uh, thankfully a lot of people are understanding that now uh how important time is and you cannot make a person wait like that at times when i started uh, brides would be like, oh, please, uh, you just sit and chill for some time. I'll go and take a bath. And I would be like, what? what? That is yet to be done? Um, <gasps> it's not like, you know, a bride no. is going to 
take a quick shower she is going to take a bath like a long one oh and i think they use bath like interchangeably with shower which i'm like girl there's no time <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a hell of a difference <laughs> a bath is like you toss a bath bomb in you sit you read you chill you eat french fries uh, yeah or you just scrub yourself real nice and slow yeah exactly like in a commercial um <laughs> That is so funny to me. This has actually happened to you when you walk in and you're like, "I'm going to take a bath." Yeah, yeah, it's happened quite a few times. And after that, oh I God. made sure that I put in a few terms and conditions about these things. That uh, whatever time is being set for the appointment is the time when I actually get started with my work. It's not the time mm-hmm. I reach the venue. so the bride needs to be in that position where she is ready to get dressed up right so uh, you know all of this crisp to the point transparent terms and conditions which actually protect both the parties like me as well as the client uh, a lot of people appreciate it but more people uh, feel that you know it's just too rigid and you need to leave scope for ifs and buts in it uh so that's another story yeah. i mean i totally hear you i think punctuality like not just people in kashmir i think india pakistan like southeast asians in general i think you know you can't be fashionably late to your own wedding it has to that needs to change and it needs to people i mean it's basic it's not even like oh i misunderstood this no like it, so everyone listening in right now when sabha comes to you it's not bath time okay It's time to get <laughs> your shit it's together. It's showtime. <laughs> it's showtime. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, so about throughout your journey of growing as a makeup artist, what have been some of the most, you know, some of the high points in your career, and what is the best part about your job? I feel the immediate uh, satisfaction when I uh, dress up a bride, and from being a simple. girl in her pajamas she's yeah. all dressed up in her beautiful outfit and jewelry and makeup and styling that immediate change i feel that is marvelous gratification that cannot be compared uh, to anything else because mm-hmm. if you're working on some project that takes a few months the gratification takes really long uh, to come mm-hmm. but for me it's absolute immediate and that really feels good and then uh, when the family members see the bride and they feel that their daughter is looking like the most beautiful bride they've ever seen and then the blessings that they give me the love and the Oh my god the love it, it just yeah. it just makes me melt it makes my heart glow i i don't even have the words for it it is just so overwhelming yeah. and i am so emotional that most of the times along with them i'm also shedding tears oh. yeah you are that, that person i totally imagine you as that person yeah. <laughs> and then you know seeing uh, my brides photos seeing them happy and then seeing them have families it just makes me feel like okay i was there i was a part of it all um, it's very gratifying it's mm-hmm. really fulfilling i i love that part of it right and and of course i mean 
all of that is so amazing but we also know that with power comes criticism and scrutiny right um i know that we live in a very social media driven world um and you out of all the people i know has the most amount of followers by i don't even know how many folds um so what has your experience been online i'm sure you've had to deal with many negative nancies and downer dans and what not so how do you how do you manage that it's just so sad to see that a lot of people actually have the time to uh, bring about their negativity and their whatever failures they are hiding behind those screens yeah. and actually try to uh, rain on someone else's parade when it's totally not required so i usually just block people mm-hmm. it's the Uh, social media so you know when they can be mean and they can be nasty i can just block them with one click right yeah i mean the power is still with you and you don't have to stoop down to their level of you know shallowness um at times i do uh, mm-hmm. feel like you know giving it right back to them and saying a few things that i feel and at times i may even have done that but most of the times i just shut my eyes and i'm like okay you're blocked you're yeah. gone yeah. and another uh, new tool that i have discovered is uh, restricting the comments on the photos yes. uh, to only those people who are following me uh, so okay. usually these comments come from people who are not following you or you know who just like to watch uh, you and from a distance and not really even follow you yeah. so that really helps yeah i mean i have people who will look at every single story of mine but they have zero interaction <laughs> when it comes to my yeah. posts and i'm like i see you i see you um so <laughs> I, i agree with you and and one of the things that i've started doing which i seek immense pleasure from is i re- respond if i have to very sarcastically yeah. so if someone says oh my god you look so ugly i'm like i agree <laughs> and just let it be like you know it makes them feel like oh oh shit i think i made a fool <laughs> of myself and i don't mean it in a yes i'm ugly but i just okay fine yay 10 points to gryffindor and just kind of move on from there so yeah i agree with you the best way to if you have the time you know and if you are Uh, un- un- unless you are looking for some fun time <laughs> like i do uh just block them right um so that's that and you know there are as you know sabha we've talked about this several times in khan market over coffee and dessert there are so many makeup artists that are emerging in the valley now right uh and yes. i'm so sure that you know they've been 100% inspired by you in some capacity right how does that make you feel that feels good to a certain extent because i feel if it was not uh, for my career choice yeah maybe all these people wouldn't have been doing it maybe they would have been stuck in jobs that they did not enjoy they did not like and now they have given a vent to their creativity and they're making something out of it and mm-hmm. if i have inspired them in any way at all i i really feel good about it it's like uh, you may not have held somebody's hand but mm, you right. kind of 
gave wings to them so yeah. it, it just feels amazing um, yeah you created it's, a it's a you created a window of opportunity for people you know a career that people never really imagined themselves getting into uh, especially given the social pressures of what is right and what's not right for women to do you know this opened up a lot of doors for people in the valley and um so one thing that i do want to talk to you about which i think is so important um is you know several makeup artists are clearly riding this sort of wave of editing client photos to make their work look flawless we know that, that that's a very common practice you know um they're frantically buying followers they're paying to get themselves verified on instagram um and i feel like the expectation versus reality uh, it's really distorted because you depend on looking at a makeup artist's portfolio and then you book them and i think that if you're over editing your photographs and if you've purchased 100000 followers and if you've your sort of really desperate to get yourself verified to make up for your lack of create creativity then that shows and that only leads to more disappointment right so what is your take on that i personally do not believe in enhancing features of my brides using such tools for those who've seen my work and gone through the pictures on my social media handles would know that every picture goes out without filters makeup is not about being flawless not having the scar a bit or a fine line it's having all of that and yet looking mm-hmm. the best version of you it just that one stroke of blush or lipstick that makes you feel good about yourself and you feel like you're ready to take on the world mm-hmm. so being flawless is uh, really not the job of makeup it's uh it's something that uh, you do with photoshop and yeah. that to magazine covers uh, not for your page uh, not for your uh, social media handles because you know there are very innocent people looking at those photos yeah. who feel who feel that oh my god that glass skin that absolutely flawless skin they they don't understand that a lot of work has gone into mm-hmm. it after makeup to make those photos look that way and i feel that is uh, uh, cheating yeah and i wouldn't really uh, be supportive of uh, that sort of a thing ever yeah i mean sabab believe it or not but <laughs> once i downloaded this app and i'm on a sunday sitting in shitty pajamas on my bed looking like a burrito okay <laughs> there's nothing elegant about me nothing lady like about me i downloaded so i was writing a paper around this time on uh social media and um you know how pe- we we are all performers and we're on a stage and everyone else is watching us and what what's really happening behind the screen nobody knows and i was reading up and i was trying to find more resources and i uh was reading about this culture in um china i think or korea about how they are very fond of bambi eyes so they will increase the size of their eyes because they feel like that makes them look more beautiful right yeah. so i started searching a lot of these apps and i downloaded one when i tell you that i looked <laughs> not like myself and i look like a flawless person 3 seconds later i mean it i mean the level of distortion and i could literally open a makeup artist instagram handle of just using those apps 
I don't even have to apply actual makeup. And that to me is scary. Right? That sounds very interesting. I can, I will actually, I should do a post on this. I will send you a photograph of me looking like a poor cloud. (laughs) And then I will edit it without even transparent gloss and I'll send it to you. And you'll be like, Sabrine, first of all, I had no idea you looked that bad. (laughs) Second of all, it's I have seen too many times to not know how you look. You look lovely. You're sweet. Um, And then I'll send you the other image, which is, hey, by the way, out and about, Instagram girl, it's insane. It's too much. And that has really, unless I really know the person, which is you in this case, like I know who you are and you've done makeup on me and I am 100% confident. I think twice before spending that kind of money on a different makeup artist because I don't know. Maybe they're literally like a filter makeup artist or something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, sorry, I just went like overboard with this, but I totally agree with you is what I was trying to say. Um, so now we all are living in this new virtual work world and certain businesses, of course, have been affected to a very deep extent, right? Like restaurants, for example, have they were forced to shut down or beauty parlors and whatnot. How has your business been during COVID and how do you manage communicating with your brides, especially when there's also like an additional internet outage in Kashmir most of the times? Uh, See, COVID obviously has changed our entire lifestyle and it's changed how weddings happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, normally for a girl, her wedding day is the biggest event in her life and she wants to look her absolute best on all the events now because of covid the event the number of events have been reduced to almost one i would say instead of four or five events right. so that obviously has affected my business quite a lot but obviously like someone said that this year is uh, about surviving it's about being okay it's not about anything else. So I'm just happy and thankful that uh, I'm fine. My family is okay, though not everyone, but right. uh, mostly everyone is okay. So uh, no regrets over there. Mm-hmm. As far as communicating with my brides uh, during the internet outage, oh, it was one of the most stressful times I've ever had. Mm-hmm. All the grace that I have in my head is because of that stress. <laughs> I can't. I, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. The next time you see me, you will actually be counting the number of blacks that I have left on my head. Yeah. Uh, it, it has been so stressful, Sabrine. Uh, one, because people don't have an address for me. I don't have an office. I freelance. Right. So I go to their venues and the addresses are very complicated back home. Oh, and yes. We need to we need to call a few times to reach to the right place, even after having addresses. So it's been really, really difficult and very stressful for me as well as for my clients. Yeah. And uh, as long as the phones were working, it was fine. But when the phones were also not working, oh my God, don't even remind me of that time. Mm-hmm. It, it was really hard, really hard. Yeah. And the point you made about home addresses being really complicated back home. Oh. I remember when um, when Tawhid and I, you know, our reception was in Kashmir and Islamabad. And 
I don't know why, but like I th- I think I read on the card the address or whatever, and it it was basically a street name. And I said to him, yeah. "How the how the hell are people supposed to find us? <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's almost like twelve Newberry Street." And I'm like, "Okay, but like where on twelve Newberry Street are you? Because there are so many homes, and it's all sort of it, it, you know lanes and." different roads and crossroads and sub lanes exactly yeah. i'm like where do you live man narnia like where are we going with this uh-huh. so no i totally agree with you i don't know how you do it but kudos to you for doing that and um so this is a probably an existential question which is had this field of work not worked out for you or if you lost interest let's just say if you weren't enjoying yourself where do you think you would be today that really is very interesting <laughs> and uh, uh you know when i started with this i really did not know for how long would this line of work have my interests because my attention span can be really really short <laughs> okay so i uh, had given myself 3 years i thought if i do this for 3 years and if i'm still doing this after 3 years that means i really really love it mm-hmm. but if i was not a makeup artist i would probably have been uh, uh maybe uh, an anchor or uh, i don't know yeah i see maybe you there lawyer <laughs> i feel like there are so many things that i would have loved to do yeah Yeah, I might even have been a judge. I'm not sure. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Now that you say that, a judge 100%. Like you could do mm-hmm. you could you could be like a a a jury member uh, or I I am really really bad at judging. <laughs> no, no, no. But judgment I am a really bad judge. <laughs> by by judgment I mean you are a very principled person and you yes, you have I'm... a very strong set of ethics where you're able to really draw a line and say hey this is acceptable and this is not and i think from that lens you would make for a really good judge who would be like <laughs> you were a naughty person this year and you weren't um so that's that and the other thing is i do see you as an anchor i totally do like you are so well spoken and with with the face that you freaking have you could give so many people run for their money or for however right. that saying goes right I hey I am team Saba. I am going to say I'm going to do everything I can to actually make sure that happens because you and I need to do a lot of YouTube stuff. Absolutely. We need to, I'm eagerly waiting for that. <laughs> I know. We need to vlog. We need to have a whole thing going. Um so that's that. And um all right Saba so believe it or not but we've reached the last segment um which which makes me a little sad because I could talk to you forever but um This this section of the podcast is usually referred to as the spill the sauce sort of a section which I don't know why I call it that but what advice do you have for individuals in the valley specifically I would say I mean of course also people outside but people in the valley with the resources that they have who are trying to hone their art and who are trying to take it up full time um especially amid the constant state of conflict what are your pieces of advice for those folks I would say the first and the most important thing is don't do something just because you feel a lot of people are doing it and they're making a lot of money in it do it only if you feel that you really love it and you would be able to do justice to it and you would be 
honest uh, in all fronts of it um, be it whatever uh, line of career just mm. do it with utmost honesty love and dedication uh second advice i would say um just try not to be very judgmental about everything and everyone mm-hmm. because uh it it just restricts us and our horizon sometimes it's a very good idea to uh, let your ideas float and listen to other people and imbibe their thoughts and ideas into your own and something beautiful and interesting might uh, come out of that mm-hmm. and uh, uh more advice from me <laughs> i mean any any number it could be just the two or it could be more and i feel uh one of the most important things in life is uh, to be thankful uh we may feel that uh, things are not going uh, mm-hmm. the way we want them to or they could have been better uh but we never feel uh, or think on the lines that uh, god forbid they could have been worse right so let's be thankful for whatever we have for whatever we can be we can do and at the same time uh, let's try to help people who uh, are less blessed than we are mm-hmm. there's blessing in helping others that is true words of wisdom um and well i can't believe that uh, sava we have fortunately or unfortunately reached the end <laughs> uh time just slips away when i'm chatting with you um and what an honor to have you in season 2 uh, sava this project is very important to me and to have you in one of them and hopefully many more in the future because you know you're stuck with me um i i'm really looking forward to that journey with you and i'm so grateful that you you're here and and i'm so sure that our listeners are going to love this first hand narrative of your super inspiring journey like i said this episode came highly 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 requested like people have been hounding me um so thank you for being so candid and for sharing uh, such valuable advice for upcoming artists in the valley and i hope that they can learn from your experience hustle and really make it work um and as always i would like to thank everyone who took the time to tune in to this very special episode i hope that this inspires you to take the right steps when it comes to uh making your dreams a reality and as always i will see you guys next week till then chin up